0: amnesty secret comedy podcast hello i'm richard melvin one of the producers of this podcast welcome to our extra bits on this show we've got some amazing stand-up comedy some horse-based revelations from lee Mack, and a story from tim fitzheim about how he nearly declared war on france first tanya lee davis a comedian who doesn't let the fact that she's only three foot six hold her back.
1: Hello, everybody. Good morning. Or good afternoon. It's morning for me. I got home at six. Yay! You weren't expecting this, were you? Feel the tension? Oh, my God, does she know? Don't feel sorry for me, because I'm Ginger. British people, very uptight. as oh, we're not sure if we should laugh. Like, go to hell. You will. You lighten up. I love people's reactions. I do, especially kids, right? They're very honest, very upfront in their reaction. Especially when they see somebody they haven't seen before. Some kids see me, they're like, hey, what happened to you? Did you get into an accident? Like, hell no, I didn't eat my vegetables when I was your age, you little shit. <laughs> You now, put me down. <laughs> this is what I do for a living. This is my job. I've been doing almost 24 years. Very fortunate, get to travel around the world. Uh, recently, uh, I was in eight different countries within a five month period performing. I got to do my first tour in Japan. Very exciting. Yeah, I'm huge in Japan. <laughs> anyway, so in, in North America, they have a conference every year, uh, somewhere around the country, and i would never been to one. This year it was in Washington DC, the nation's capital. So I'm like, I need to check this out. Uh, Turns out they had the largest attendance, 2,500 dwarves from all over the world invaded this hotel. So I showed up by myself. I walked into the reception, just about shit myself. I actually had a panic attack. I went up to my room, called my friend. I'm like, you gotta get here, they're freaking everywhere. Most of us were staying on the fourth floor, too, and I realized why, because nobody could reach the fifth floor button in the lift. <laughs> I'm glad I went. I wasn't sure if I was going to go. Uh, you know, I was drunk a lot. It was very stressful seeing a lot of people that look like you. Uh, very overwhelming. And to heighten my anxiety, there was a Jehovah's Witness convention at the same time. You familiar with the Jehovah's party animals? <laughs> Of course, I'm drunk, told my friends, let's stay up all night. So there I am, 6 o'clock in the morning, just blattered, pl- right? Turn all my friends, let's go, start going around, banging on all the doors. <laughs> the Jehovah Witnesses door, 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Payback's bitch. <laughs> it was a last minute decision for me, because I have a busy tour schedule, plus it's expensive. Seven nights, it's about $160 a night for a hotel room. And, uh, so I decided at the last minute, I emailed a friend, I'm like, can I share a room with you? She's like, sure, you can share a room with us. All right, so this is what happens at a little people convention. One person will rent a room with two queen-size beds and then 16 of the buggers show up. <laughs> You'll get like five dwarves sleeping in a bed sideways, like a pack of sausages, and a couple of dwarves on pillows in the bathtub. You got dwarves stacked up in the wardrobe like bunk pits. You know, by the end of it, you're paying $20 a night. Score. Top bunk. It was fun. They had a dance every night. I like to shake my booty. Yeah, I think the DJ was screwing with this, though, because every night he played YMCA by the village people. I know. Picture 2,500 dwarves doing YMCA lowercase. <laughs> Edinburgh's a great city. I have a mobility scooter. Can we get some more cobbles, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing some shopping, love shopping. Get a lot of my cute tops in this country, but I noticed at the shops, you guys put all the cute tops on the upper racks, don't you? Yeah, you do. Put the trousers and the skirts, slow down. Yeah, it's great. I got a big mouth though. I'm not afraid to ask for help. However, I found a better solution. Started shopping at Primark. That's right, you people throw all that shit on the floor, it makes my life so much easier. Thanks a lot you guys, I'm Tanya Lee Davis, thanks
0: for being Tanya Lee Davis there, maybe only three foot six, but certainly not short on laughs. Next, a man known as Noel Fielding's prodigy, the choice of the comedy connoisseur, and someone who can out-wonky Willy Wonka, it's Paul Foote.
2: Greetings.
3: <laughs> so,
2: what I think I'll do is some disturbances. So i start with the disturbances, uh, which are these things I've written here. Uh, di- well, I call them disturbances because they're things I've thought of when I've been in a disturbed frame of mind. And I note them down, and then I do a little picture on the back afterwards to cheer me up. Fact. <laughs> uh, the first disturbances in the form of a fact. In fact, the deepest parts of the oceans are deeper than the tallest mountains are tall. To put it another way, if you took the Himalayan mountain range and turned it upside down into the sea, loads of sanctimonious charity climbers, people pushing themselves to the limits of physical endurance to discover themselves, Tibetan wise men and other losers would drown. (laughs) Let's follow that up with another disturbance. Across the road from Peter's pineapple themed shop with its popular range of pineapple jewellery, pineapple lampshades, pineapple summer houses, pineapples, etc. Jariah Crumpet closes the doors of Guava Mania for the final time and retreats to his stockroom. There is a single gunshot. (laughs) The final disturbance I've chosen for you is this one. As her body pulsates with orgasm, a bedside lamp smashes, and a clumsy young woman comes to a sinking realisation that she is never going to be the competent prostitute she'd envisaged. (laughs) Thank you very much, I am now leaving.
0: poor foot there, disturbing us with his disturbances. Now don't forget, keep listening right to the end to find out how you can help Amnesty International with their human rights work around the world. And if you're sat at a computer right now, visit www.amnesty.org.uk forward slash chip in to help out with the cause. Next, our reporter Lucy Lyle caught up with Lee Lee Mack. So, welcome, Lee Mack.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
4: Do
2: you remember your first ever gig?
3: I do. In fact, my first ever gig uh, was September 2000... Sorry, September 1994. And so next September will be the 20th anniversary of my first gig. Oh. And I'm thinking of going back to the venue, because I actually live quite close to it now. In Sur- it's Surbiton, the gig. Let's go back to Surbiton. And I never finished it off, because it was called the gong show. So you, if they didn't like you, you got gonged off. And I got gonged off after, like, 30 seconds. And I've okay. still got the set list. So I'm going to go back to launch my tour as I'm going back to finish the gig. <laughs>
2: Amazing.
3: To that venue. That's the idea. <laughs>
2: that sounds great. And you have a great rivalry with fellow team captain David Mitchell on Would I Lie To You? Are you best friends backstage? Uh, are we best friends? Well,
3: no, well, I... I we're not best friends we're, we're definitely friends And we, we socialise And uh, to, a, to a degree As much as any comedian socialises With any other comedian Which is not that often I find <laughs> Certainly in my case My mates tend to be I've, I, I'm, I'm getting old now So I, when I was about 35 It was like I, was, I felt like I was full I was like No one else is I'm not having any new friends now I'm full Do you know what I mean That feeling you get So it was a bit like that So he came after that So And I'm sure it's the same in reverse You know you, you, You've got your friends now you know, he's married, I'm married. We're not, the, the love thing isn't going to happen as we perhaps first hoped. So it's best to remain, you know, comedian acquaintances. But no, we get, off, we get on great, me, him and Rob, you know, me, Rob and we're all, we've, we've been known to have dinner parties and invite our wives and, you know, it gets a bit swingy. <laughs> it's all very nice.
2: So freedom of expression is a right that we're able to enjoy in this country. We
3: say enjoy, much of all my gigs are going to be tough. <laughs>
2: but do you think there's anything you shouldn't joke about?
3: I think everything is, is a potential subject for comedy, and I mean anything. But the key word there is potential. And for me, the more shocking the subject, the funnier the joke has to be. Because I think the way the brain works is you, you shelve the, the, the shock and you, and you let the joke in. And that's why it's good to joke about things because some you know when people go to funerals they do sometimes funny speeches and they push their look a bit and if they push it too much sometimes it's actually really funny and people go i was really brave saying that about a dead man who's lying in a coffin next to you but actually it lightened the mood and we're glad you said it
2: and finally lee yeah. is it true that you once rode red rum
3: it is true it was the first horse i ever rode i was a stable boy at his stables <laughs> uh, and i wiped his bottom I actually went door to door selling his manure for 50p a bag. I would say, manure for sale. They go, not interested. I go, it's red rum shit. And they go, ooh, and sometimes they'd buy it. And the real truth was, it wasn't always red rums. (laughs) Have
2: you got any left now? He's still selling it. No,
3: I should have pickled it, shouldn't I? My uncle, he uh, told told me a story once about, um, he met a bloke once. Visited by the Queen on a submarine, because he was in the Navy, or whatever submarine people are. are they, the Navy, what are they? submarine people i call them submariners and whatever and uh, the queen visited and they cleaned everything out because he, the queen was coming it was so spick and span they emptied the toilet because obviously the the waste collects on the, the everything was out queen said can i use the toilet on the submarine so they worked out that the only poo in there must have been the queens so we pickled it put it in a vinegar jar <laughs> and put it on his mantelpiece and said queen shit and when people would come around and go that is genuine queen shit
2: wow well thank you very much lee mack
3: Let's
0: get a little bit more stand-up comedy now, from the very charismatic David Morgan.
5: Hello! Hi, Amnesty. Ah, lovely to be here. Um, uh, my name's David, nice to meet you. Uh, I'm a, uh, a gay gentleman, hi. Uh, I, I don't know if I had to say that straight off. It's 2013, I pretty much assume everyone's gay, until they hear differently. Uh, I'm sure all of you either know a gay, are a gay, or at least have a theory about one of your friends. Uh, I came out in 1999. Thank you, Dawson's Creek. And uh, when I was 15, I had to uh, kind of make peace with myself that I would never get married or have children. And within my lifetime, so within 14 years, that has gone the opposite direction. I completely do everything I want to do. I mean, obviously, I don't want to get tied down with it. But... I have at least the option, right? Whereas in Russia at the moment, if you're growing up, if you're a little gay boy at 15, you are facing persecution like we have never faced ever before. So, as of my amnesty, I'd just quite like to say, "Fuck you, Vladimir Putin." And now, some jokes. Uh, uh, it's wonderful. When I was growing up, though, I, I, it was never a surprise to anyone that I was gay. I didn't pretty much. I didn't come out. I just confirmed the rumours. I. I love musical theatre, like I really love musical theatre. I don't know if there's anyone here who loves musical theatre? Good, welcome. I love it a bit too much, like it takes over my life. I find it kind of gets too involved with everything I do. I, I was so into musical theatre that when I was little, um, we used those little mood rings that you have at school and they put one on me and it turned red and yellow and green and brown and scarlet and black and ochre and peach and ruby and olive and violet and fawn and azure and lemon and blush and grey and purple and white and pink and orange and blue. So, it was obvious that I like rainbows. I, I love musicals so much that when I was walking home from a gig in London the other week, it was misty and weird and foggy and horrible, and it was all kind of Victorian and strange. And as I was walking across uh, by the Thames, I realised that if anyone tried to mug me, if at any point someone tried to kill me, if someone came towards me and tried to bludgeon me to death, instead of screaming for help, I just knew that I would look into the eyes of my assailant. Instead of screaming for anyone to come and save me, I'd just look right in his eyes and go, No, Bill Sykes, no. (laughs) And the truth is, guys, that's kind of how I'd like to die. Uh, I either want to get murdered by a Victorian rapist or fed to a hungry plant. Like, it's one of those two. Uh, I love musicals so much that I stayed with a really expensive mobile phone contract because the final digits of my phone number were 24601. Anyone? Where's it from? Les Mis. Yes, it is. Brilliant, right? Les Mis is my geek thing, right? I love musical theatre, obviously, and everyone has their geekiness, right? So if you're into football and you're in a pub and you hear someone mentioning your team or an obscure player, your ears prick up and you go, oh. They just mentioned uh, my team or an obscure player. Maybe they can be my friend. Like, that's how it works, right? And 24601 was my geek bait. Now I went to performing arts college, obviously. And uh, I was in the refectory and two four six oh one was my way of making friends, right? So I give my phone number to I was giving my phone number to a girl and I was like, blah blah blah. 24601 as like a little giggle, but then across the other side of the refectory, a boy just stood up and went, My name is Jean. Valjean. <laughs> well, Jean. To which Amnesty, I think you'll agree, the only response is, and I'm Javert! Do not forget my name, do not forget me! Two, four, six, oh, one. But in a second, a chorus line had formed. Look down, look down, you're digging your own grave. The haberdashery students were making French revolutionary outfits out of the curtains. Behind me, they were building the barricades out of the tables and chairs. Four students died. Um, but that was because they, were, uh, they, were, uh, they couldn't operate a musket and their bourgeois souls will burn in hell. Uh, I I recently joined a gym because I've hit an age now where I can't just eat cake anymore. Um, And so I've joined this gym, but I hate, I get so bored at the gym, it it drives me insane. And so in order to get through it when I'm doing cardio, when I'm on a treadmill, I'm I'm mainly using a treadmill because I don't know how the other stuff works and all the bigger (laughs) boys scare me, so I'm not going to ask. So I'm on the treadmill kind of running around, but I get really bored on a treadmill. So in order to kind of get through the boredom, I listen to my favourite musical theatre tracks and sort of uh, mouth along because I'm literally three gigs away from becoming a drag queen. And... Too much laughter. (laughs) you <laughs> but There I am, so I'm running on the thing, and uh, I'm listening to my favourite musical at the moment, which is Legally Blonde: The Musical. Don't judge, it's amazing, right? And there's a song in Legally Blonde: The Musical uh, called the Bend and Snap, which is when you lean forward, pull up, and push your boobs in the boy's face, right? Bend and Snap. It's amazing. You should all do it, right? And I'm running on the treadmill. It comes on, Bend and Snap, and I get really cocky on the treadmill because I've been kind of dancing a little bit. So I start to do a little kind of kickball change on the treadmill. Why not, right? A little box step on the treadmill. Perhaps a small grapevine, right? Bend and Snap. Now I know all the moves to this song, so obviously I'm going to do them. Bend and Snap. I get a bit carried away. The Bend and Snap bit comes on. Bend and Snap. So I lean forward to the bend the snap, make my head on the emergency stop by Floyd, off the back of the treble. The people on the side of me are laughing at the little gay boy who just fall off their treble. They fall off their trebles. It causes a domino effect of trebles across the gym. If you looked at it from above, like Busby Berkeley directed it in a 1940s musical. Four students died. Um, but it's their own fault and now I don't have to go to the gym anymore. Uh, Amnesty, this has been a really, really uh, short set. You guys have been utterly gorgeous. My name's David Morgan. Good night. Goodbye.
0: David Morgan there, on stage at the Underbelly in Edinburgh. Don't forget to keep listening right to the end to find out how you can get involved with Amnesty International and their human rights work around the world. Now, we've got time for one more thing. Here's Tim FitzHam chatting to Mark Dolan about a rather incredible journey in a bathtub. You are so welcome. I read your CV and I actually feel physically exhausted just looking at the words of the stuff that you've done. That's reading for you. Yes, it is, it is. I mean, first of all, you hold a number of Mm. records. Let's talk about the bathtub, actually, because Mm. you made two attempts to cross Mm. the channel and Mm. and this wasn't any, there was no motor involved. You rode across the channel Mm. in a bath.
4: Yeah, a roll Top Victorian Copper Thomas Crapper bathtub. Wow, wow. And
0: uh, first time round, what happened? Because I think Uh, there was a hitch.
4: Well, there was a couple of hitches, yeah. So I uh, phoned the French government, because they run half the English Channel. And uh, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to row the English Channel in a bathtub. And they were so kind and helpful, the French government. You know, Everything that you don't think the French government are, loads of stuff, nothing seemed to be too much trouble for them. They even went into the French parliament and passed a new clause in the Shipping Act of France, making it illegal to row a bathtub in French water. Wow. Let's go over that again. They, they passed a new clause in the Shipping Act of France making it illegal to row a bathtub. In, in the context of my plan, is a bit of a blow. So I thought, well, this is an initiative test. This is what they're doing here. Let's, let's sort this out. So I went to the Ministry of Transport in Whitehall, and I said, now this is what we're going to do, gentlemen. We are going to register my bath as a registered British ship. And to my total and complete and utter amazement, they went, yeah, good idea, Tim. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I have to say, this is what I love about it, is that they sent me a letter, the Ministry of Transport, with the paperwork, and it said, dear, 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 dear Fertime, uh, please find enclosed your paperwork for your newly registered British ship. Brackets, bathtub, close brackets. <laughs> Keep it with you at all times, even on the high seas. We think the French government are gonna want to see this. And then they said, to assist you in this aim, please find enclosed, we've had it laminated. Oh, that's, wow. that's the civil service for you that is fantastic foresight laminated paperwork that is what made the
0: empire <laughs> definitely that's, that is a beautiful story and yeah, so true. first time round, I think the, the
2: weather was pretty appalling wasn't
0: it? pretty so? bad
4: yeah so I started off and uh, I was rowing across the channel in the bath and basically ended up in what we call in maritime circles a 4-7 storm. Mm. A 4-7 storm will essentially give you wave heights of around about the two to three meter mark. That's sort of the wave height that you're looking at. So if the rest of you can imagine perhaps of an evening sitting in your bathtub with a gin and tonic perhaps, relaxing, chilling out, and a two to three metre wave just smashing down through the bathroom on your head, just repeatedly for 40 minutes. So well, that's what was happening to me in my life at that stage. And I threw the safety equipment overboard, I carried on rowing, then I, the bath got so badly damaged that the roll top got rick, ripped off the Victorian copper bath and I it popped out the water, I dived across because by this stage I sort of realised that I was essentially ballast. Right. And I ripped my shoulder uh, on, the, on the serrated edge of the bath at this point. So badly that it stopped, it sort of went all floppy and stopped working. I'd nicked a, what is that like a nerve ending or something. Ooh. And so I carried on manfully rowing. I lost a support boat. The mist did you, came did in. Did you hang
6: on to your soap on a rope or did that go?
4: I kept my heel on the plug throughout that storm. That's all I'm saying. So I carried on rowing with one arm for 40 minutes, manfully alone in this 4-7 storm. And after 40 minutes, the support boat found me because for 40 minutes i have been rowing with one arm manfully in a circle. Uh-huh. And... Uh, when they got to me, the problem wasn't over at that stage because the French government then came on the radio and said that their solution to the bath channel... They were calling me a problem. <laughs> I sensed the surprise in the room. Uh, they were calling me a problem and they said their solution to the problem was to stick explosive charges on my bath and blow it out the water. Right? Now, I'd lost a lot of blood by this stage. I accept that and I wasn't thinking clearly, but apparently I went on the radio and went, just to remind you that the sinking of a registered British ship without the permission of the captain, will be taken as an act of war. (laughs) (laughs) Now, pin-drop silence on all channels, uh, all radio frequencies in the English Channel. Nobody, at least all me, could just believe what I'd said. In Dover, you could hear the Coast Guard going... (laughs) Quite literally. And then it turned out there was total silence. The French then went away, looked up the paperwork, came back on the radio and went... Well, it sort of turns out you're right. Uh, and so it then turned out I was completely in the right. And, uh, and they said, well, can we sink the vessel? And I said, absolutely not. At which point this very moving thing occurred, which is that ships came from all the other nations in the English... Ch- well, mainly Holland and Belgium. And all the other <laughs> nations in the English Channel to get me and my bathtub back to the UK, which proved something vital to me. And that is, it's not just Britain, but all the other nations in the English Channel that hate the French. So there we
0: are. It's a hell of a story. Thanks a lot for listening to our Extra Bits podcast. That's just about it for now. Keep listening to find out how you can help Amnesty International.
6: You've just been listening to free comedy courtesy of Amnesty International. Please make a donation to our vital work. My name is Alan Hogarth. I'm Head of Policy and Government Affairs and I've worked at Amnesty International for 17 years. I lobby parliamentarians and government officials, urging them to take action to support human rights. I cover a wide range of issues, and my work can change from day to day as I respond to real-time world events. In the past week, I've been lobbying on Russia, Syria, Egypt, Zimbabwe, and Sri Lanka. Changing the way governments address human rights truly does make a lasting difference. I do it because it's something that I genuinely believe in. I left school and I went to work on a building site for 15 years and I dreamt of working for an organisation like Amnesty International. I love my job and feel lucky to work for the organisation. I'm honoured to be able to support courageous people around the world that put themselves at great risk for purely standing up for the things that we take for granted. To find out more about my work and amnesty, then just go to www.amnesty.org.uk and please donate £5 by texting JUSTICE and your full name to seven zero. 505. Thank you.
0: Your text will cost £5 plus one standard message costing up to 10p. Amnesty UK receives at least £4.75. Please ask the bill payer's permission. To unsubscribe from contact, text stop to 70505 at any time. Full terms and conditions at amnesty.org.uk/sms terms.